0: Good morning, and thank you for tuning in to the Automation Morning Show for Thursday, February 16th, 2023. My name is Sean Tierney, and let's get started looking at what's new in industrial automation. And first up, we have a new product from Banner. This is their ZMX Series 3D Time-of-Flight Sensor. Now, this sensor can measure and monitor objects in a three-dimensional area. I think this is very interesting. I've never used a product like this before. So if this is something you need or would be interested in learning about, check out the banner link at automate.news. That's where all links are. And uh, next up, we have a new release from Inductive Automation. Ignition 8.1.25 has some pretty cool features in it. And uh, they kind of wrote this in like with uh, tongue in cheek about Valentine's Day as well, which I thought was funny. But uh, first up, we have the IEC 61850 MMS driver. And also in here, you can see that they've added on the Modbus RTU driver, they've added RS-45 mode, which I think is great. Um, they've also added um, a right-click custom right-click menus. Okay. And I also like on the one-shot buttons now, you can uh, also have a, not only do they have one-shot buttons, but they also have the ability to make them disabled. So they look great out, which is always a feature I, I've uh, been a big fan of. And uh, the last one I'll mention, there's so much in this, but last one I'll mention is the Database Query Browser and what they're doing with that. I really thought that was uh, an excellent upgrade as well. So I actually don't have Ignition, but they were on the podcast. So if you want to learn or get an introduction to Inductive's Automation's Ignition, check out that episode of the podcast. And with that, we'll go on to our next story. And this is the uh, midweek blog from Grace. It's back. And uh, this week, they're again talking about condition monitoring. It seems like this year, most of their articles have been about that. And that's great. You know, that's great. This one, I've read through this. This was another great addition to their series. And of course, they always have these awesome uh, cartoons in their uh, blogs. And um, there was actually a video down here at the bottom. And uh, I just thought it was uh, the, the topic was so interesting. I actually reached out to Bryce and Isabel on LinkedIn this morning to see if I can get one of them to come on the automation podcast and kind of go through Grace Sense with us. Because, um, you know, I've really become interested after reading all of these different articles that they've put up about it. So with that, let's go on to our next story. And this is a how-to article from the good folks over at OnLogic. And uh, this is an article on how to dual boot between Windows 11 and Linux. Now, I'm still on Windows 10. I am not. don't like to live on the bleeding edge. But uh, in any case, I do think when I refilm my courses this summer that I will be uh, moving to Windows 11 just because we've all been using Windows 10 for so long. It'd be nice to film the new stuff with Windows 11. But that said, you know, I don't do boot. I used to do boot quite a bit back when I was getting certified for Windows NT server client, you know, SQL server and all that. You know, we used to uh, most of us were do booting between, you know, Windows 95, 98, Windows NT, you know, 4.0. And then, of course, you know, Windows 2000 and XP. Um, you know, and at one point I went to System Commander, which was a great tool to make that easier. But now with virtualization, with VMware, right, there's really no reason to dual boot, except if you need the, the operating system running on the bare metal hardware. So that can be important in some instances. So I really appreciate this article. I think they did a great job on it. The step-by-step is phenomenal. They even give us some background on, on uh, you know, what to do with the certain editions of Linux that may not work in certain cases and they, you know how to get around that. So I really think they did a great article. So if, if you're interested in playing around with Linux or if you need to set up a dual boot, check this article out. Um, next up, we have a new blog from Global American. They're an industrial PC manufacturer. And um, this is, I thought this was very interesting. They go into the differences between DisplayPort and HDMI, and they do it in a very easy to understand way. And I thought the blog was excellent. I mean, I went through here and it was a great refresher for me. You know, I, I my latest uh, personal video card I got a couple of years ago was a uh, NVIDIA 2070 Super, right, for my personal PC. And like, instead of having four HDMIs or three HDMIs and one DisplayPort, it had three display ports and one HDMI. So, of course, I had to go and buy all kinds of adapters and everything. But this article really is a good reminder of why display port is, you know, designed for a computer world where HDMI is designed for, you know, a television world. And, uh, you know, while they can be interchanged in both applications, um, it really gives you the details of why one is more suited for one application than the other. And I thought they did a great job on it. Next up, we have a couple articles from WWT. We've had them on the Automation Podcast as well. And uh, they do a lot in the IT world, cybersecurity world. And I thought this first one was really good. This goes through what IT ops is. And it actually talks about agile uh, programming or uh, or product development. And um, I just thought it was really good kind of explaining, you know, what is when your IT guys are talking about DevOps and IT ops and ML ops, what does this all mean? And I thought they did a great job explaining it in a friendly way. You know, and, uh, and my favorite ops was the, where is it here? It's up here at the top here. Um, uh, let's see here. I doubt you're still reading this ops. So a little tongue in cheek there, right? Um, the other article I wanted to talk to you about them is about having a successful hypervisor installation. Now, I know the vast majority are probably not using hypervisors like uh, ESXi from VMware. But I know most of the big facilities, even 10 years ago, were putting in, you know, server farms with hypervisors on them for all of the benefits of having, you know, your software running on a virtual machine, you know, be able to roll back to a snapshot, being able to try updates without, you know, taking down what's in production, you know, being able to have, um, you know, server redundancy. So if uh, the virtual machine running on this server, if that server goes down, it automatically spins up on this server, or maybe it's in hot standby. So there's a lot of great things about that. And I've got to be honest with you. I'm also thinking about putting this into our new physical location that we'll be hunting for in April and hopefully move in by the end of the year. But, um, you know, if I'm going to have 24 seats for students, right, two classrooms of 12 each, you know, I'm not going to install the software, you know, the Siemens, the Rockwell, all the different vendors. I'm not going to install it on all those computers. I want to build some VMware images and just have those uh, computers connect to those images on the server right? And that way I can, uh, after every class, I can sit, go back to the snapshot and start all over. So I think that's the probably the right way to do that scenario. Plus, you know, after the workday is done, I want to be able to let my online students, uh, you know, connect into the server and use our equipment that's on the wall after hours, right? It's just sitting there, not doing anything, might as well let the, uh, the online students access it as well. So, That's uh, one of the reasons I was interested in this, but I know a lot of your facilities are also using this and they really do a great job kind of telling you, you got to, you really got to check compatibility before you buy your hardware. There's even some folks on YouTube where they're doing the recycled hardware, the recycled servers. And you know, if you get the wrong, wrong uh, CPU, it may not run the latest version of whatever hypervisor you're going to run. And next up we have uh, our final article for this morning. This is one from Aspen tech. Now I don't know about you, but as far as I'm concerned, as being a real technical guy, a bithead, you know, I despise <laughs> virtual signaling or politicking or just saying something to the right person to get a promotion or something. You know, I'm all about bits and bytes and words, right? I know a digital is zero or one. I know an analog is typically zero to 32, 767. These are ingrained in my mind. And I know things work or they don't work or they sometimes work, but just saying things just for the fact of saying them to try to impress somebody, I have no time for. And I think most technical people feel the same way. So when I see all these companies talking about how they're going to do all these great things and it appears to be virtual signaling, it just turns my stomach. But this article is not like that. In this article, this is brass tacks. This is where AspenTech has really helped real customers really reduce their energy consumption. And we all know being efficient, like every company, you want to be efficient, right? Being inefficient is, you know, the road to going out of business, right? So not not that you can be efficient in everything, right? Sometimes you just have to be effective, right? Efficiency doesn't mean producing as many products as you can in an hour, right? There are many books on this that downtime on certain lines is needed. Like you got to service it. Why waste the energy if you're not making products, et cetera. So I really appreciate Gerardo's um, article here about Saving customers real money on their power bills. And uh, I actually sent them a message see if you want to come on and talk about it. But, uh, you know, this is not another one of those pure virtual signaling articles where they're just talking about how they're going to do such great things. This is about actually saving money and save it by not using power you don't need. And I just I was impressed with it. I thought it was really well done. And with that, we get over to our product spotlight of the day. And today I'm spotlighting my Siemens S7 course. I'm working on this every afternoon to finish it up. Um, right now I'm working on all the quizzes, getting them all in, and then I, you know, I'm you finding spelling mistakes and making sure the software's working right. And I'm doing something new with this course. I'm doing what I call a quiz prep page that kind of gives you an idea of what's going to be on the quiz, because I know some people, they won't really want to be ready for the quizzes. But our quizzes, we let you take them as many times as you need to, because I, our goal of our quizzes is that you know every Answer to every question. We're not trying to stump you. This is not college. You know, I have my my GPA was a 4.0, right? That's meaningless in the real world, right? We need you to understand the correct answer for every question. And that's why we, um, we let you take the quizzes as many times as you need. And so it's very time consuming to add them all in due to quiz prep slides. But when that is finished, and I'm working on it every day this will no longer be half price. Okay. So I just want to let you know, if you want to learn the S7 and it's worth learning, it is a great platform, right? It's, it's hard to say any major platform is not great because they all, they all just pretty amazing, but this is definitely a great line in their starter packs, right? I mean, some of the biggest vendors out there in the PLC world do not have starter packs. They have a great starter pack on their S7 1200 comes with the PLC and the software. I think it's 600 bucks or under 600 bucks. And the software is a lifetime license. And when you're learning the S7-1200, you're learning the 1500 at the same time. Right. So just a, just a a great opportunity for uh, anybody who wants to learn and expand into that. And I really take you from, Hey, you know nothing about Siemens. And I take you through, Hey, Siemens does this. This is why it looks, if you look at the IEC 6131 standard, this is what the standard says. And then now let's take a look at how Siemens does it. So that way, whether you're using Allen Bradley or Mitsubishi or Umron or Phoenix or IFM or CodeSys or whoever, I want to make it. I wanted to make the course so that anybody could take it and learn it. So uh, I spent a lot of time on hardware. I spent a lot of time on memory and how those differ. And uh, we do a lot of programming as well. So that is our uh, product spotlight for today. And now we have a new item on the newsstand, the digital newsstand. And this is the quarterly newsletter from Real-Time Automation. You know, we've had Real-Time Automation on the show many times. They've sent in samples for us to use on the show as well. And uh, I just, I just, this, I haven't been following this, but now that I'm doing the morning show, of course, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm checking out newsletters. And this was a really awesome issue. And I, I was just, I had to reach out to John right away who wrote this opening, he's the founder and owner of RTA, who wrote this opening article about optimism and pessimism. And uh, I, I, I'm like, I wanna get you on the show because you know, this I just relate so much to this article. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to get him on the show. In any case, besides that, we have this great article about Ethernet network domains. And we're not specifically talking here about Windows domains, right? So um, these are network domains and they do a great job of explaining it and talking about how VLANs come into the picture. And uh, I really enjoyed that article. Next, they have um, a, uh, an ode to Jeff here um, who passed away. And it was just really touching. They did a great job. And, uh, you know, um, uh, our thoughts and prayers are with them and his family. Um, but what a great tribute to him. And then the survey results. Now, you wouldn't think survey results would be too interesting. But, man, I thought this was very interesting. First of all, um, I'm trying to make this as big as I can here. Um, on this side, we can see that um, the, co- the platform you most commonly use to get knowledge, automation industrial automation knowledge. and uh, f- web forums were number one at 26, 27% as well as I don't use any platforms, <laughs> 26, 27%, which I thought was just amazing. So 32 percent use internet searches or plcs.net, whatnot. Notice they don't have the automation blog up there or insights in automation. They probably should have added that, right? Um, YouTube, uh, 21%. And you can see some of these other ones too, okay? Now here, um, what do you typically use LinkedIn for? I was surprised that 35% don't use LinkedIn. Now, if you're not on LinkedIn, that's great, right? But I look at LinkedIn as like the Facebook of industrial automation. I'm connected to over 14,000 of you, maybe 15,000 of you now. And um, my feed, every one of you are in industrial automation, and my feed is just full of stuff about industrial automation, and I love it. So um, it's great. I don't get to spend as much time as I want up there, but it's it's really good and a great place. Again, it is social media, but it's a great place to uh, to uh, to find information about industrial automation, to follow things, and also unlike um, the other social medias, um, it's very active now. I'm not surprised where, when they talk about some of these other social media platforms to see that nobody's using Facebook and Twitter. Of um, we're not on Facebook. We won't go back, unlike Twitter, that's on the new management, right? And they're coming clean. Uh, Facebook is has not done that yet, right? So we haven't seen the Facebook files yet. So we won't be on Facebook for that obvious reason. But uh, we did jump back on Twitter now that they're on the new management and they're coming clean and they're restoring uh, freedom and rule of law to this platform. And, you know, one of the things I can say is, while almost every single vendor I follow is on Twitter, there's almost no engagement. Most posts by vendors up there get either zero likes, one like, or zero retweets or one retweet. So um, I, I have to agree with this. Um, that, uh, that while everybody's on Twitter, it seems almost everybody's on Twitter that there's really, there's not a lot of, you know, return on investment from, from, you know, posting stuff up there. Well, we're still doing it too. We're, we're up there with all the other vendors just in case, uh, we find somebody there that's not on LinkedIn and uh, YouTube. I was surprised that, uh, only 20% are using YouTube. Um, I thought that would have been higher. You know, I'm a Gen Xer and I'm on YouTube. I've been on YouTube for, oh, I don't know. Gee whiz, you know, 15, 20 years now so uh produce a video so um in any case i thought that was very uh very interesting that the uh, 20 are are using it but 20 percent don't even use it at all so very interesting there and then tiktok of course i'm not surprised that the less than two percent are using it we know um the obvious uh, compromises with that platform so with that i want to move on to the uh the one year article from drew drew's a great guy there. And he uh, took over the presidentship of RTA a year ago. And he writes this blog and I got to tell you, I can I feel everything he's writing here because like he says, R and D will always take exponentially longer than estimated. And I can tell you creating a new online cost always takes exponentially longer than even my wildest estimations. Um, as well as he has energy is more contagion. Manufacturing is amazing. Um, and, and I like the last one here. I disagree with it a little bit. Um, he says life is short, drive a convertible. I say life is short, drive a charger, right? With a Hemi, right? Gasoline charger. <laughs> so in any case, um, uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought they did a great job on the, uh, newsletter, as you can tell. And, uh, you know, if you're interested in any of these topics, check it out. Now, as far as our audio video files of the week, we have two. This first one I found over on the Opti22 blog and actually, uh, this is Terry's second uh, video in a series on using SSH on their Groove products. And uh, in this video, I actually watched the whole thing this morning, and he goes into using Python, and he does some really nice tutorials on it. I actually learned something. I don't even have a Groove here. We've not uh, we've reached out to Opto several times to get him on the show, but we still haven't heard anything back yet. But um, this is a great video. If you're using Opto 22 and their Groove products, and you think you ever want to run some custom Python or use SSH, uh, check out this video. It was very well done. Good job, Terry, on episode two of your series. Uh, next up is the Automation Podcast episode that released uh, last night. And this one, I sat down with Andy Watkins, and he brought me up to speed on what's going on with CNC automation. Now, you know, I, my focus has always been in the uh, PLC, VFD, sensor, HMI, SCADA, MES area. But over on the CNC automation side, they've been doing some exciting things too, especially with these IHMIs. And uh, i really had a fun time meeting with Andy. Really appreciate him coming on the show. And if you want to know what's new in CNC, check this episode out. And from there, we go to what's coming today. Later today, we have our new tech tip on what to do when RSLink's Classics, Ethernet IP driver, will not find your device. Maybe your PLC or whatever, HMI or whatever and um yeah that can be frustrating and i covered this in an earlier episode of the automation morning show i've released it here as a a separate video this afternoon it'll come out and i walk through how to use the ethernet devices driver and in my example i use an old enet 1756 enet which just refuses to show up for the ethernet ip driver but comes up right away in the ethernet devices driver and we also have um the community corner now and I like to say uh, every day, I like to wish all my viewers a very happy birthday. If today's your birthday, I hope you have an awesome day and you enjoy some time with family and friends. And now if you are connected with me on LinkedIn and I invite everybody in industrial automation to connect with me. Um, if you are connected with me and you have your birthday in your profile, you show up on my birthday celebration list. So I want to wish my connections a very happy birthday, including Darren, Mike Grasso, Gerald, Smith. Arturo, and Daniel. So wish you all a very, very happy birthday today. And if I mispronounce your name, my apologies. But hope you have a great day today. And from there, we'd like to go over to our community, automation.locals.com. This is where you can follow me and everything I do at Insights in Automation completely free. And if you want to support the show, you can start at just the price of one cup of coffee a month. And you can become a member and you can... Um, post. You can ask questions. You can answer questions. You can send me messages and whatnot. So, and I want to just want to say thank thanks to all the people up there who are members supporting us and to all those who are following. And from there, i like to go to a reminder that if you think I missed something that was in the news recently, please let me know by filling in this form. Or if you know any vendors or if you are a vendor, please consider sponsoring our show and our shows and our website because it will help us bring more free news programs and how-to's to the audience. And that's what we're all about, right? Bringing news and how-to's about industrial automation to the audience to help them be more efficient and uh, get the job done. So if you're a vendor, please consider sponsoring us. Um, We are the fastest-growing show and fastest-growing podcast in industrial automation for 2022 and so far for 2023. So if you want to get a message out, Look at some of our podcasts. Just look at how many hits we have on YouTube on our podcasts. And then look, I think the one we did with IFM and IO link, we had over 15,000 people watch it. And we got over 175,000 impressions. And that's just on YouTube. That doesn't include the automation blog. That doesn't include all the other audio destinations. I mean, we're cracking the 1,000 downloads a week just on the audio. And we're hitting uh, uh, about 2,000 people every uh, day on YouTube. So, um, if you're a vendor and you want to get your, want to get your message out, sponsor us, and we'll help you do that. And with that, I just want to remind you that every single link I talked about is up here at automate.news. This is our industrial automation news aggregate website, where we put every single link, including all the stories I covered today. Plus the sponsorship link, the shop where you can get the coffee cups and shirts and stuff, uh, locals where you can submit news, where you can see the Automation School, the Automation Blog, and see every past episode of the show over at theautomationblog.com. And I just want to, as a reminder, let you know that um, that each of these videos, whether it be the Automation Podcast or Automation Morning Show, every video we post over here is not only ad-free, but has full closed captions. That's been that way for about a year. Our, our, uh, the people who host our videos, Vimeo. They added closed captioning, I think about a year ago. So it's not perfect, but it's auto-generated. And so if you're someplace where you uh, can't actually listen to the show, but you want to see everything that I'm talking about, you'll get the closed captions there. We are working on getting the transcripts with the podcast. We'll probably have to do that again on Saturday morning after I fix a leaky faucet. Um, but uh, in any case, I uh, plan to have that done. And I want to get all of the uh destinations for the morning show done. Right now it's only on, um, you know, uh, iTunes, YouTube and Rumble. So I want to get to go into the rest of these different sites like the podcast is already set up to do. And with that, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy day to spend a little time with me this morning, looking at what's new in industrial automation. And as I do every day, I want to wish you a very happy, safe and healthy day. And until next time, my friends, peace.